Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Twin Fan Club podcast. I'm Henry Femby Taylor, and today I'm joined by Anand Mechery of Invicara. Hi, Anand. Hey, Henry. So, Anand, you are the CEO of Invicara, which is a digital twin platforms as a service. Is that correct? That's correct, Henry. Yeah. So it's a really interesting offering, and I, I've been uh, following you for, for some time. It's very interesting to see that there's this ecosystem of uh, digital twin enabling technologies uh, coming onto the market more and more, and it's great to see I was in that space. But how, how did you get here? What was the uh, What's your background in the digital construction space? Yeah, sure. Happy to share that. Um, I started off uh, way back in 80, when is that, 88, uh, as a entrepreneur in the building technology space. So I've been in the smart building space for about, uh, I was there for about 25 years, uh, building a number of ventures uh, in that domain, uh, sold them all to Siemens and was looking to what's next. Um, that was 2011, and I came across, uh, or 2012, and I came across building information modeling. I was fascinated by it. Uh, the promise of BIM was so big um, that I felt that uh, I could potentially create um, a venture around uh, innovating around BIM. Uh, and once I started, uh, you know, putting a small team together to do ideate around it, uh, we realized that uh, the promise was much bigger than reality, at least at that time. Um, and rather than getting disillusioned about it, we we thought, mistakenly so, um, that if we focused on uh, data management tools for the building information modeling uh, workflows and, and the industry, um, that would result in digital solutions being created, leveraging BIM. And we've all heard the promise of how BIM would drive numerous outcomes, data-driven outcomes in design, construction, and operations. So that was my initial uh, play uh, to create data management solutions for the uh, data quality, primarily, uh, solutions for the BIM uh, industry. Um, obviously, realized along the way that that's not enough, uh, right? Uh, the, 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 the BIM, uh, you know, process and the workflows are really geared around um, authoring, uh, especially the tools that are around in that space. And they have, and they come with a bunch of uh, uh, limitations when you try to take it out of its own context and do something else with it. It's fantastic. They're all really good tools for what they do, but digital twins are not, are not something that, that the BIM authoring tools would deliver uh, by a long shot. And, and that was the genesis of uh, what Invicara started doing around the digital twin uh, platform development. Interesting. Well, let's go uh, back in time a little bit. You must have learned a lot from that building technology space from 88 to 2011 or 12. And I feel like from my experience uh, being in that kind of capital side of building buildings, building assets, you find um, a lot of excitement uh, about data and data management, but perhaps, but 
there's a lot less capability in understanding that transition into the management of those buildings and how that actually comes about and, and how those buildings are going to be managed and how they're going to be used over time. I, I've seen numerous examples of, of buildings that have great spaces, great designs, but they're, they're too hot, they're too cold, the taps don't work. Uh, the you know various uh, issues cause all sorts of maintenance problems that could have been foreseen if somebody who knew about the buildings uh, were in there. So how do you think the building technology space has changed uh, as the time you've been in? Yeah, that's a great question and not an easy answer there because that in, that industry is still maturing and evolving to become more integrated. Uh, if you look at the smart buildings world, we are dealing with not one smart building solution, but we're dealing with a number of different systems that do very different things. Um, it could be security, and within security, there could be a whole bunch of applications that drive um, security uh, as a topic. And then there's fire safety, there are at least two big solutions that are part of that, which is detection suppression systems. And within suppression, there could be, depending on the type of the building, could be water-based suppression, gas-based suppression, and so on. So, and then you can come into this realm of uh, building automation, and there you have again multiple systems: chiller management systems, energy valve uh, control systems, and then there is the classical building automation systems. So, there's a numerous. There are a number of different tools and systems, uh, which are not just software, by the way. There's there's physical hardware installed, sensors, transducers, actuators, controllers. Uh, talking to a piece of software. Uh, so there's a number of different systems, uh, that, and each of them have its own sp specialism, so to say, uh, not just from a, a design and engineering and installation point of view or commissioning point of view, but also from an operation standpoint. Each of them have a specific set of uh, capabilities that are expected from an operator of those systems. And this problem uh, is a real problem, right? So when you, when you are dealing with so many different um, systems and you have so many different potential suppliers for each of those systems and typical procurement methods, um, this would, all of these would go under a, probably a mechanical contractor within a, under a general contractor. And they're going to be procuring uh, solutions that meet the you know, performance spec that's specified, but also meeting the commercial targets that they have. So in the end, you will find that every building is very unique in terms of the composition of all of these parts that actually get deployed. How do you then make sure that there is a seamless integration between them? And that's something that's overcome partly by uh, the engineering, uh, but then and partly by operational means. But then uh, most of the times it is the minimum common denominator. You never, you never really fully achieve the full potential of uh, of what these integrations and interoperability can mean. Um, so that that problem is not solved, right? I mean, over time, it has gotten better and easier to integrate, interoperate through standards like BACnet uh, and others. Um, but there's still, and, and also, uh, you know, various schemas to, to describe things and so on. But, uh, but the problem still remains. Um, so yeah, the smart building world is, 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 uh, uh, is is amazing in terms of it's the breadth of concepts and solutions that it brings to the table, but equally very very challenging uh, in terms of how you can you can bring it all together and make a building hum. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. That's a 
the question of silos within silos within yeah. silos by the mm-hmm. sounds of it you know we've got different systems solving uh the same problems in different ways and and then there is no i don't think there has been a common approach to interoper- interoperability between these uh systems uh, until very recently when it's we've been shining a light on it through digital twins that actually making sure that we can understand how buildings operate from uh, an asset and a portfolio level um, enables us as building owners to show that we have met our met our net zero targets, for example, or that our, our buildings meet the Building Safety Act requirements that exist and are continuing to develop. And there's, there's clearly going to be a need for more and more data that's easily accessible comprehensive and accurate about how buildings are operated. I couldn't uh, agree more with you there, Henry. Uh, and in fact, the requirements are going to be even greater. Because right now, the the uh, carbon uh, focus is around reporting in most cases, but it, reporting is only the beginning, right? You want, you want to be able to optimize performance. That means taking actions. That means interacting with the building. Uh, the level of uh, integration that is possible or that is required rather to drive operational efficiencies and optimize building performance is way greater than simple reporting. So you, you are going to absolutely see a greater demand uh, to unify building systems, to consistently engage, talk to those systems using a common language, so to say, not just in terms of protocols, but also in terms of ontologies. Um, and schemas and how you apply them in the context of different workflows. So do you think we need to wait until we've got everything right to move so we've got the complete ontologies and complete schemas and the interoperability is planned and mapped out or do we have to get going now? Absolutely get going now. Uh, One of the, uh, you know, mantras we we try and communicate to the portfolio owners is uh, don't let any of your new buildings become a legacy out of the gate right at least make sure that your new assets are 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 twinned uh, are are able to de- deliver your not just your today's requirements but your future requirements and in parallel start looking at uh, your existing portfolio um, and and not necessarily try and match what you what you could do in a new development, but focus on what will move the needle. Uh, so in effect, define a strategy that would uh, that would meet specific objectives and lower the you know overall expectations you know as compared to a new development. But then focus on the problems that you want to solve and go from there. So there has to be, uh, ideally speaking, there has to be uh, a strategy that is focused on new developments. And in parallel, for owners who have a large portfolio, they need a, a common minimum strategy for the existing assets. And these two, these are two different things. They're not exactly the same. So, Anand, what's the process that you go through to implement digital twins on projects you're involved in? Yeah, so <clears throat> I would say in a new development, uh, and this could mean anything, right? This could be buildings, it could be infrastructure assets, um, uh, you know, road networks, rail networks, water infrastructure, energy infrastructure, whatever it is, anything that is built, the same principles apply. That if you're going to twin a new development, 
you are able to then set out an expectation through the BIM, BIM process, you know, where you can define your, in your EIRs, how you're going to develop the BIM, you know, how the model should be developed, uh, uh, how, how different stakeholders must collaborate, define an asset information requirement that all contractors and subcontractors must meet, uh, deliver your, your, the handover of that asset or achieve a handover of that asset to a very high level of uh, you know, granular information, which is which is going to be way more than what you can ever get on the existing asset. So you're starting with a foundation in a new development that is much more detailed, right? Um, of course, you've got to also be careful. You don't want information for the sake of information. You want to make sure that the information that you gather really moves the needle from an operation standpoint. But most certainly, a new development would involve uh, definition of information requirements at a far, far deeper granularity than existing assets. The second aspect is the ability to specify integrations, uh, whether it is integrations to a BMS system or a security system or whatever it may be. Um, it can be done from a true smart smart building perspective, right? And I've heard the term, you know, uh, from some from a, from several corp some several corporates who are also thinking about you know, creating this smart building portfolio over time. But they're saying first step is really to be to be smart ready. How do I, how can I be smart ready uh, with the developments that are happening today? So it gives, puts me on a, or gives me a foundation for digital transformation over time, right? So that's the, that's the idea. So if you're talking about new developments, it's about building that foundation for digital transformation over time. And if it's existing assets, it's about digital transformation today. Right? It's not just a, it's not about so much about future. It's about what do you do to get those assets to a certain level today, first of all. So you're creating a foundation in one sense to make more informed decisions in the future because organizations, corporates haven't been able to make decisions on built assets to a level of detail that a digital twin would enable them to in terms of energy usage, their, you know, their fire safety, and, and as well as their uh, optimizing um, uh, approach to make the buildings more livable, um, reducing their emissions, and making them safe. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And it's a journey, right? It's not, it's not, a, it's not a destination that you're getting to by, by getting onto a digital twin uh, strategy. You're, it's really a journey, and you're preparing yourself uh, by setting the right foundation, uh, you're preparing yourself to to deliver these outcomes as they as they evolve and as they as the requirements become clearer. Um, so it's, so it is it is that perspective that one needs to apply uh, when we when we go down the path of building a discipline strategy. Hi everyone. I'd just like to take a quick moment to introduce our sponsor for this episode, XYZ Reality. XYZ Reality has flipped the script on the way that teams build complex projects with the world's most accurate augmented reality solution, the engineering grade Atom. For the first time, you can view and compare holograms of 3D BIM models on site in real time against real conditions, allowing your teams to accurately validate work at every step. And the impressive part? This achieves less than five millimeter accuracy, knocking the competition out of the water. The Atom is in fact so accurate that 
you can build from it. So you'll never build anything wrong again. No more looking furtively from iPad to iBeam for you. XYZ Reality provides you with a fully managed service. So it includes a dedicated field application engineer, meaning you can step back and just let them do the heavy lifting. You don't need to waste time and money on training and dedicated staff. You can get started straight away. And what's really convenient is XYZ Reality reports all of your build issues into a single, easy to use dashboard the moment they're raised. This level of real-time data flow means no more data lag, loss, or misinterpretation, you'll be able to spend more time building and less time dealing with issues. Is it accurate? Yes. Will it reduce rework? Yes. Will it save your project time and money? Definitely. In fact, their customers are reporting their rework activities have dropped from 30% to less than 1%, achieving over nine times return on investment. So if you're looking to take control of rework, increase project accuracy, and change the way you build, go check out XYZ Reality at xyzreality.com. Book a demo and prepare to be blown away. That's XYZ Reality. Build it right, first time. I have no idea how to do ad feeds. I hope you liked it. Go check them out. It's good. Oh, anyway, yes, podcast. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit about how Invicara works then. So um, the approach that I, I've taken so far in developing my own digital twins with clients is gathering the requirements from the client team, the operational team, working with them, trying to understand what are their high-level goals, um, and then feeding that into a, usually for me, it's been something that's happened after capital. We're in the operational period that we're trying to enhance. And we have to try and work out what we want to sense. And then we have to work out how we're going to uh, compute that sensing and turn that into decision process. So we have some sort of reciprocal relationship between built asset and those people and those systems making decisions day to day, as well as a kind of strategic higher level approach. So how does Invicara support that mm -hmm. process? Yeah, so we took a step back uh, as we as we got into this domain uh, and started building technologies around this domain. We took a step back and looked at okay, what is a digital trend? And this question still remains, uh, you know, high in the agenda for most people. Uh, and we answered that digital twin, a digital twin is not a product. A digital twin is not that one thing that you can produce or design, you know, develop, package and put it in the hands of uh, somebody. Digital twins are customized solutions, right? Digital twins are going to be addressing various use cases uh, for different clients and different in, and in very different uh, asset classes. So it's not just buildings, as like I said before, it could be anything in the built environment. In fact, it doesn't have to be the built environment. It could be something in manufacturing. Uh, but we decided to focus on the built environment and we, we decided that we will create um, a platform, a truly composable platform, and we use that term very deliberately, uh, on which a, a, a solution builder, and for us, a solution builder is a domain expert, not a software company, right? So the people who understand the business of the customer, the workflows involved in, in, in the different use cases that the customer needs to, needs to implement. So for us, 
It's about a solution builder who's a domain expert having this consultative engagement with a client uh, for a new development or an existing asset or for a portfolio of assets and starting them on a digital transformation journey. So digital twins, again, in our view, is not a thing by itself. It is a vehicle for digital transformation. So you're talking about solution consultants who engage clients, define a roadmap for the digital transformation across various workflows that they care about, and that has different use cases, and then compose solutions that meet that specific client's needs. Uh, and these solutions can be uh, uh, anything uh, ranging from uh, urban planning requirements, uh, urban planning simulations, livability assessments, could be design uh, validation solutions, could be construction insights, could be various applications and solutions within operations. So in the end, you're dealing with a plethora of potential solutions, which are all going to be different for every customer because they all have their own IT landscapes, uh, they have their own uh, you know, organizational maturity around different aspects of this, different uh, enterprise applications that needs to be integrated with. So net result is that a digital, if you have to have a serious play in the digital twin world in the built environment, we need to be, we decided that we need to be thinking about a platform approach, not a product approach. So that was, that was the, and, and I can talk more about that, but that was the genesis of, of our twinet.io effort and it has resulted now in a in a in a pretty uh, uh, exhaustive set of microservices and APIs and tools that can be used by solution builders to rapidly compose solutions and deliver these customized solutions to their clients and and evolve them over time. Interesting. I've I've worked with people who are looking to break into the built environment innovation space. And the thing I think they underestimate the most often is the interfaces they will need to have into other systems. It's, it's often been a case of, and then we will integrate into all the common data environments. Like, whoa, 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 right, whoa, 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 settle down. That's not one task. And that's not a small task either. You know, you need to be breaking these things up. So I think it, it makes sense to uh, break these uh, uh, break these tasks out into their own kind of pieces of the puzzle that you can build together into a solution that sits all in one platform to solve these these problems together. Uh, but I, I imagine that you, you end up with a, a mosaic uh, effect, and it's about putting these pieces together to build up the business. Absolutely right. So we often talk about the notion of. Uh, a network of connected systems and applications, or even platforms for that matter. The world that we are in and where we are getting to is complex, right? Not one company can solve all the problems. So the need to have interoperability and networking between applications and solutions and platforms is going to be essential. But there is a fundamental problem that 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 we have to solve here, right? The, the folks who understand software technology who are able to build software applications are not the people who have the domain expertise, not always anyway, rarely yes, but somebody who, is, who has the pro technical prowess on the, on the domain, who's able to consult a client and, and, and chart out a, a, a digital transformation roadmap and execute on it, 
are not necessarily companies with who are going to build software from from the ground up. Definitely not enterprise class, you know, cloud based applications. Uh, th- these are very different skill sets. So, and and that's the problem we also want to, want to solve, and we are solving uh, by making it possible for domain experts to become solution providers, like not necessarily software companies, but domain experts. Interesting. I think that's something I've uh, I've wondered about because there are, I've you know, Microsoft Azure is in this space, and you know, Amazon and Google are looking to get into this space, but they have uh, an ecosystem uh, of systems in place. But um, it does feel like they are very much aimed at technology providers first and effectively domain consultant second. So the ability to understand how a building owner, a building user, and all the stakeholders in that change and adapt is something that is very, there's a lot of knowledge inside the built environment um, to be able to deliver that knowledge, but often the gap in expertise is technical. There's a big technical gap between knowing that problem and and turning that into a solution. We have a number of solutions um, that people like to lean on in the space. So Kobe and IFC are often brought up as the solution to these problems, and they're very effective in delivering capital projects and sharing data during that process. But IFC does not have a very comprehensive uh, time schema. For example, it can it can do something quite minor, but it couldn't do any kind of complex event capture, etc. So I feel like um, we're having to learn that we can't standardize our way out of this problem just yet until we're experts in this. And I think that's the point that we're at, where we've started to develop standards in the built environment and manufacturing around what digital twins are. But then when it comes to actually defining the real content, we're caught by this issue that construction has faced before with things like Uniclass and other classification systems, where it's possible to do a a kind of a broad overview, but then the deeper and the deeper and the deeper you go into this system, you start seeing kind of the the vagaries and the gray between the lines, and you have to make lots of judgment calls, and it makes it more difficult, and it makes it makes it harder. So I feel like we're kind of caught in this position now where um, we have a lot of data, a lot of systems, a lot of approaches out there, but that when we get into the detail, it's actually quite difficult for um, for all of these stakeholders to manage for, for these three different reasons. The built environment um, consultants and professionals um, can't go into you know this precise detail of what is this oh it's actually multiple things the building owners uh, uh, and users are just looking at it from their perspective and then the technology providers don't really know what you're talking about because you're talking about real use cases not about how their system works and somehow we have to bring all of that together and i think that's the big challenge let's talk about the you know this the the standardization uh, for a bit more I mean, uh, uh, standards like IFC and standardized approaches like IFC and Kobe and um, and for that matter, even BACnet and, and schemas like Brick or Haystack, 
these are all very, very welcome because the more standardization happens, lesser the, the challenges of extracting, transforming information from one system to another system. However, uh, if you put digital twin, a digital twin platform in the middle, I like to look at it in a southbound view and a northbound view. The southbound view is everything that flows, all the information that flows into the digital twin platform. And here, yes, absolutely, what we just discussed are all going to be vital, whether it's IFC or Kobe or everything else. Um, now, the problem is, even on the southbound, we can never expect a perfect standardized delivery, delivery happening on every project, right? So if your digital twin approach is a fixed schema, I will expect something like this. And if it doesn't come, I can't deliver, you have a problem. So you want to be able to have a flexible uh, uh, approach to how you extract and transform information. That's on the southbound, right? On the northbound, which is essentially applications that are built on top of the digital twin platform and delivering different use cases to the clients. Here it is completely driven by the client's use cases and their organizational needs and their maturity and the integration requirements. So it will always be uh, you know, unique. You can't ever standardize the North Bar. It has to, it has to be composable. Um, so just to bring, I just wanted to highlight that there is this southbound and northbound aspect to digital twins, and and where standards apply is really around the the southbound, and even there it can't be an absolute need to deliver a digital twin outcome. I think that's fascinating. I think there is always going to be that discussion and tension between a the need for standardized solutions and the need for bespoke solutions. And I think you, you made it very clear there that one of those, uh, the ways you can standardize it is certainly your feed, you know, feeding in that data. And that makes sense. Um, and that we want to be able to customize the output. And I'm sure that as time goes by, there will be more um, pieces of the puzzle in terms of that um, composable solution that are more compound in the sense of you can put multiple pieces together. We've done this before. We know how this works. And this is something that you might like. Um, how do um, uh, clients find um, creating uh, these composable solutions in their, in their portfolios? Yeah, so uh, composability is, is, a, is a boon and a bane, right? Composability implies that You've got to do some work to get an out, get a solution built. It's not like a product. Let's say you have a uh, you have a uh, in the BIM in the in the construction workflows. If you were to focus on things something like estimation or or scheduling or you know all the four D five D topics, um, you could have products. Right? They are also uh, a twin enabled uh, solution, but they they are more productized. There's yeah, fixed schema, fixed set of workflows, fixed capabilities of what it what they deliver, but pretty good. Uh, and it could also be simulation tools, right? They solve a problem. Now, mm. the, the challenge is when you when you are dealing with uh, solutions that are going to be uh, addressing specific use cases of a client, right? Um, so what we have done is to your question, what we have done is created a set of microservices, uh, which does a lot of the heavy lifting 
whether it is da composing data pipelines, graphic pipelines, uh, defining data models based on an ontology or otherwise, persisting that data, uh, or whether it is, you know, again, that could be time series data, or it could be static data sets, it could be documents, uh, building permission models, build, building access control, building business logic for how a persona, how a particular user role would, would interact with the systems, um, the authentication uh, process. So we would build a set of microservices that are like a kit of parts, right? The, the, the solution builder can then take these kit of parts. So a lot of the heavy lifting is done and all they have to do, and they still have to write some code, but they have, and they would write JavaScript. So JavaScript is a scripting language. You're not building heavy backend uh, systems and enterprise class applications, that's done. That's part of the microservice. But you simply compose each of these microservices by writing your, your JavaScript, whether it is composing how data is extracted or transformed or how you're building the data model, how you are presenting that to a, you know, a role-based user interface. Uh, so we have enabled uh, our partners, solution partners who are building these solutions to compose these solutions by themselves, writing JavaScript. Now, that also requires a certain level of uh, software skills, that right? it's not a no-code approach. It's still a, 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 an approach which requires uh, scripting. Now, an organization could potentially uh, write scripts, compose their solution, but then these solutions are highly reusable because of the inherent composability of those solutions. You can easily adapt these solutions from one client to another client to another client. So it's not like you're building everything from scratch. And we also observe that uh, the partners who build solutions have very different, very different takes depending on their technical expertise, their domain, uh, you know, their domain knowledge, and where they play in. Uh, somebody would just focus on urban planning uh, type of applications. Somebody else may focus on design validation approaches, or carbon, or or, or maintenance, or um, uh, you know workplace uh, optimization, or it could be you know delivering healthy buildings. So everybody, it, the ecosystem is very very big, right? There's so many different stakeholders who are delivering valuable solutions, valuable services to clients. Now, not everybody is going to do everything. But we as a platform provider need to consider that there's going to be many different types of stakeholders building many different types of solutions that we may not even know what the solutions are. And honestly, our success is when we are able to provide a platform that can help uh, experts to build solutions that they care about. And that's how we are solving that problem. Interesting. So I feel that's a, a view of complexity and a view of providing clarity through to people who are going to be using these solutions by making very kind of discrete interventions in the areas that they need. How do you think the digital twin space is going to change in the, in the next few years? Where are, we, where are we going to end up? Yeah, and my view is that we'll stop talking about digital twins. Right? My view is that we'll talk about, we'll, keep, we'll re, restart the most important conversation in lot more uh, in lot more engaged and active fashion around digital transformation. Like with, that is the end purpose, right? Digital trends, as I mentioned earlier, is only a vehicle for digital transformation. So we'll start thinking about how do we how do we transform a process? How do we transform 
a certain uh, a certain deliverable uh, that a party is supposed to provide to us to to a, to a client. And how do we bring more efficiencies? How do we remove waste? How do we you know make people happier uh, by doing all that? And digital twins are just another way of doing it. So digital twins. I think the conversation on digital twin is is reaching a very high uh, tempo today because people are still trying to understand what it is. But in reality, it is just the next generation of software solutions that that make it a lot more easier to drive digital transformation. Excellent, Anand. That's really interesting. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Digital Twin Fan Club podcast. It's been Anand Metri of uh, Invicara, their CEO. Thank you, Anand. Thank you, Henry. I appreciate you having me on your podcast. My pleasure. And I've been Henry Femi-Taylor, and this has been the Digital Twin Fan Club podcast. Join us again next week. It's never next week. Where did that come from? Join us again next time. There we go.